Nehemiah chapter 2 is our text this morning. We're looking at spiritual success and the steps that it takes to get there. It starts with a burden. It moves to a, a vision. There has to be preparation. There has to be cooperation. It takes focus on our part. Satan will try to distract us from it. And it takes determination, and then it takes vigilance to to hold on to it and persist in it. This morning, I want to preach to you from Nehemiah chapter 2 on focusing our burden into a vision. We saw last week that Nehemiah had a great burden about the city of Jerusalem and about God's work with his people. We saw that he was concerned, he cared about the way things were. Most of us come in this morning and many of us have cares and burdens. We already have a burden about certain situations. We want to see things change. We know they should change. That's what a burden is. A burden starts in the heart. And it's a, it's a knowledge, it's an understanding that something needs to change. It might be the strongholds that we just sang about. It might be the bondage that we just sang about. It might be situations in our family. It might be situations in our personal life. And we feel bound by those and we are burdened. We, we want to see that change. But it has to be more than just caring about it. And in the life of Nehemiah, we see this burden move to a vision. A vision, a burden says something needs to be done. A vision says this is what should be done. I see what could be done. The word vision we often use in a variety of different ways, like the English language. It's a pretty confusing thing. If you've ever tried to look at all the different words, I was talking with some of the young men this morning before the 8 o'clock service, and we were discussing how confusing and complex the English language is, how there's words that you use and they sound the same, but they don't look the same. And then some look the same, but don't sound the same, and none of them mean the same. And over time, those words have changed. Well, vision is one of those words that we use in a variety of different ways. We use the word vision to speak about our physical vision, the ability to see. We go to the doctor, to the eye doctor, the optometrist to get our vision checked. We want to be able to see physically. We often use the word vision to describe a dream or a trance where we, we receive some truth. We think about the visions that John had in Revelation as he had the visions on the island of Patmos. He had dreams about what were taking place. But the vision that we're talking about this morning is the ability to plan for the future with wisdom and imagination. It's the ability to see a mental image of what the future could be and should be. And let me just say that this vision is not merely using imagination and wisdom. Some people have vision in their business. They can see their business growing. They can see things taking place. They have imagination. They have wisdom to see what the future could be. But it's just a human imagination. It's human wisdom. One of the great um, people in our country over the past century that we think about when we talk about vision is Walt Disney. Walt Disney had vision. He had imagination. He had the ability to see the future and see this is what could be. In fact, there's the great story when, Walt, uh, when Disney World opened and they were talking about it in the early 1971 when it first opened. And one of the men, it was shortly after uh, Mr. Disney had passed, and they said, wouldn't it have been great if, if Walt could have seen this? And one of the men that worked closely with him leaned over and said, oh, he did. He saw it in the, by vision. He had the vision that this is what it could be. So there are those that have vision 
but it's a human vision. It's a human motivation. It's human wisdom. But we're talking about spiritual wisdom. We're talking about spiritual imagination, a sanctified imagination to not only care and think something needs to be done, but to see what should be done. It's true in our personal life. To be able to look at situations and say, man, I'm burdened about this need. I'm burdened about this I'm burdened about this sin that has a stronghold in my life. I'm burdened about this concern and this weight. Or I'm looking at my family and I'm burdened about these relationships and I'm burdened about the direction my children are headed and I'm worried about these, these burdens. I'm, I care about it. We would, be, we, would be at, we would be in error if we didn't care. That's the burden of Nehemiah in chapter 1. He heard about the city and he was burdened about it, but a, a burden needs to move to a vision, not just something should be done, but this is what God wants us to do. A biblical vision is by faith, seeing the future as it should be because God has either commanded or promised that it would be. There are things God commands us to do. God gives us a vision as a church, and it's rooted in what he has commanded us to do. What is his command to the church? Our purpose as a church is to glorify God. Now, that's a very broad, general statement, but that is what God designed the church to do, to bring glory to God. That's what he designed you to do as a believer. But as a church, we bring glory to God. What is our task? What is our, what is our job? Our job is the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. It is our task to proclaim the gospel. That's what we should be burdened about. We should be burdened about lost souls, but not just about those who are lost. He says, then you baptize them and you teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Our burden should be not just for folks to be saved no longer on their way to hell. Now they're on their way to heaven. Our burden ought to be for them to become like Jesus Christ in between on their way to heaven. That's the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and that's our burden. That's what we're to do. So that shapes the vision for us as a church. That's us looking and seeing that our vision for the days to come is for increased evangelization, for us to share the gospel with more people, for us to equip you to be able to share the gospel. I'm so blessed in just the past days to hear people share with me how God has used what they've said, them sharing the gospel, to bring family members to Christ, to bring friends to Christ, to bring co-workers to Christ. Some it took years for it to happen. Some it happened almost immediately. But it's God at work through his people. And so to enable us and to through opportunities of ministry and outreach for us to share the gospel with more people than we ever have before not only to increase evangelization, but equipping and edification that we prepare you to serve and prepare you to, to give you opportunities and to edify, to build up our Sunday school and our small groups and our personal discipleship. Boy, what a blessing it is that when a person comes to Christ, to have an older Christian come alongside of them and help guide them into the Christian life. It's not only beneficial for the person that's saved, it's a, person, it's a benefit for the person that's guiding them. Some years ago, a lady came and got saved, and she was from a, a different uh, faith tradition. She really didn't know much about the Bible, really didn't know much about salvation. And she told me as soon as she got saved, she said, now, I, I don't know what the next steps are. And so I had another lady who had been saved for a very long time. They were similar in age, but she was a much older Christian. And so she came alongside, and she guided her through those steps 
Took about six or seven weeks just to go through some basic principles for a new Christian. And as we finished, the one lady, the lady who had just gotten saved, spoke about what a blessing it had been to her, for her to learn and for her to begin her Christian life, not just floundering around and wondering, what do I do next? But the blessing to me was when the older lady came and she said, the one had been saved for a long time. And she said, you know, I've been saved for years. And she said, my husband was a, in the ministry for a while. But she said, this has helped me to grow more than anything, helping someone else to grow. And so this process of discipleship, not just in groups in Sunday school and in small groups and community groups, but in personal discipleship, one of another, to help each other to grow. Why? Because that's part of what our burden is. And this is what it can look like. We'll see what that looks like as we begin to be obedient and we follow and God gives a vision for what this is going to take place. To see families being strengthened, to see children being taught and students being equipped to go out in ministry and families ministering together and serving together. That's what the burden becomes a vision. This is what it looks like. Then we think about, well, what, is it, what does it look like for my family? Do you know that every family is different? I know that'll come as a shock and a surprise to, you know, it was a big shock to me when I began to meet other families and realize not everybody, not every family did what our family did. Everybody else was just weird. It was, just, it was a surprise. And then I began to find out after meeting enough families that were different from mine, maybe it wasn't the other families that were weird. <laughs> but we're different. We're weird in a good way. We embrace our weirdness, don't we? Every family is different. Every marriage is different. God's not a cookie-cutter God. And He works in our lives differently. And every individual believer is different. And there are some principles and truths that are true for all of us in God's plan for us and God's vision for us. But what it looks like is going to be different. And I could stand here this morning and I could tell you, here, here's what your vision might look like and here's what this might look like in your family. But it's more important for you to grasp from this passage this morning to have the faith that God will show you what he wants you to do and what it will look like. To have the faith that God will work out those situations, those burdens, those challenges, those, those people that you're concerned about, those spiritual needs, the changes in your own life that you're concerned about. That God will do it and to find how he will do it. We have to focus our burden into a vision. I'm reminded of binoculars. Some people have, I've got a little tiny set, I'm not sure where they came from or what good they are, but you can put them to your eyes and you have to sort of squint a little bit to look through them. Some people have those great big old sets of binoculars. Maybe some of y'all do those, those bird-watching binoculars, those, those neighbor-watching binoculars. <laughs> now, I know none of y'all do that. I heard a pastor tell one time that he he pastored a church for a while, and there were some neighbors that lived across the field from him that went to his church, and over time, they'd been to each other's house, and they had some uh, good fellowship together, and so one night, they were at the neighbor's house, and they were talking, and he said, man, I sure could use a glass of water. The wife was busy, and so she said, hey, just go in the kitchen. Make you, you've been here enough. Make yourself at home. Go in there and get you some water. So he went into the sink and to the tap, and he was filling his water, and he noticed as he looked through the window, he could look right across at his house. And he said he looked down, and right behind the sink, there was a great big old pair of binoculars. <laughs> now, I know none of y'all are nosy with your neighbors, but we all understand that people are. But those, those binoculars, are they're great for seeing, 
But they tell me that one of the things that most people that own a pair of binoculars do not fully understand is how to, how to focus them in, how you have to adjust them to be able to focus in on what you want to see. And so that's what we want to do. We want to focus our burden. There's a lot of Christians who carry a burden for someone. They're burdened about the loss. They're burdened about their own Christian walk. They want to be like Jesus. They want to be a good Christian. They're burdened about their family. They're burdened about their church. They're burdened about missions. But they haven't quite focused into, well, what, did, what would it actually look like for me personally? And so I want to challenge you this morning to have some faith because a burden starts in our heart, but a vision is in our mind. A burden is having the heart of God about the situation. A vision is having the mind of God about the situation. A burden rises from a faith-filled heart, and it engages a faith-filled mind to believe that God can and will do something about the situation, and He will work through us to do it. That's the great blessing of it. As we look at this in Nehemiah, I want you to see some focus that we need to bring to have a vision. It came to pass, verse 1, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. I took up the wine. He's the king's cupbearer, and he gives his, the cup to the king. He said, I've not been before time sad in his presence. The inference here is that after four months of prayer and burden, Nehemiah is carrying it in his face. He's carrying it in his countenance. Have you ever been that burdened about something? That you prayed about it and you felt burdened and it becomes visible in your face, the, the weight of it begins to wear on you. You know, sometimes as believers, our burden lasts about as long as the sermon or as long as the invitation. But as soon as the invitation over, we've forgotten about the burden and the next thing we can think about is beating the Methodist to the restaurant. We want to get to home, what's, what's on the table for lunch? Or who's going to win the football game today? The burden does not last long. Sometimes it might last a day or two. Maybe you go to a revival service and God convicts you and speaks to you. Or maybe you talk to, there's a situation that God burdens you with something. And that burden will last for a day or two. But our, ten, our natural tendency is for us to just gradually push that to the side. Whether it's going to camp in the summer for a student or a revival for an adult or God speaking in a Sunday morning service. But this burden in Nehemiah's heart has been working on him, and he has been thinking over it, and he has been praying over it. He has been seeking God over this burden for approximately four months. And so he said, I had not been sad before. Wherefore the king said to me, verse 2, Why is your countenance sad, seeing you're not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. The king is discerning enough to know that he can look at Nehemiah's face and he can see the burden that he is carrying. God give us the grace to see when our brothers and sisters are burdened about these kind of things. And so he says, what's wrong? And then Nehemiah says, I was very, very afraid. Why was he afraid? Because the king, you didn't show any kind of concern in his presence. You didn't show depression. You didn't show anxiety. You didn't show burdens in his presence. And so Nehemiah speaks, and it's at this point that the prayer he prayed four months earlier in chapter 1, a prayer I suspect that he prayed multiple times in the intervening time, Lord, grant me mercy in the sight of this man. And so Nehemiah speaks, and he says, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad 
when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lies waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. This is exactly what his brethren told him when they came from Jerusalem. They said the walls are torn down. The city is destroyed, and this weight has been burdening him for this long. And as he has been burdened continually by it, and as he has prayed over it, and as he has thought over it, God has begin, begun to give him a vision that something not only should be done, but can be done, and he's part of the solution. And so the king said to him in verse 4, God answers that prayer of give me mercy in his sight. The king said to me, for what dost thou make request? Boy, the king knows Nehemiah. The king knows that Nehemiah is not just burdened about something. He's already, got a, he's already got a vision in place. He's got something he sees. And then notice what Nehemiah does. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah doesn't have to kneel down. Nehemiah doesn't probably bow his head and close his eyes, put his prayer shawl on. Nehemiah prays one of those prayers that we often pray. I suspect it probably was just a word or two. He's got to give an answer to the king. The king's not going to be patiently waiting. He prays one of those prayers that often comes out of my mouth, Lord, help. Any of y'all ever pray that prayer? Lord, help. Lord knows what I'm asking about. I don't have to make... It's not about the posture in prayer. It's about the faith in prayer. And Nehemiah has prepared his heart. There's a great old story about a, a pastor and a deacon and a farmer that were discussed talking, and they were talking about the best posture in prayer, and the pastor said, I believe you should pray on your face before God. And the deacon said, no, I, I believe we should pray kneeling. And the farmer said, I did the best praying I've ever prayed the other year when I fell in the well and I was standing on my head. These kind of prayers are some of our most powerful prayers. Lord, help! He stops at that moment. It's a reminder that there's a time for us to spend extended time in prayer about our burdens. And God, as we seek God, God will begin to reveal truth to us and reveal things to us. But there's also times for us to just call out in an urgent prayer, Lord, help. Lord, grant me mercy in this man's sight. Lord, give me wisdom of what to say. Lord, help me. And the Lord knows exactly what we need. Sometimes my prayers are almost incoherent. They don't even make sense to me, but I'm glad that they make sense to God. Have you ever prayed something and you stopped and you said, what on earth did I just ask? Why did I... Have you ever found yourself explaining to God who you were praying for? Have you ever been praying pray for a name and be like, Lord bless John? God bless, you know, that's Susie's uncle's nephew's cousin. God already knows who they are. And sometimes our prayers are just confusing and they're short. God knows the heart behind the prayer. And Nehemiah prays and he says, Lord, give me mercy in this man's sight. Verse 5, he said, I said to the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. The king said to me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall the journey be, and when will thou return? Not if, when will you? It is in the king's heart immediately. Do you believe God answered that prayer, give me mercy in this man's sight? Boy, what an amazing thing. When Nehemiah is standing there, and he has the king's trust, and he has served the king faithfully, 
But for that very reason, the king's not going to be likely to want him to leave. But God immediately answers that prayer. Why? Because Nehemiah had a vision of what should be done from God. And God begins to work in it. And it starts with a faith burdened, a heart burdened, a heart filled with faith. And it rises into a mind that's filled with faith to believe what God will do. Let me quickly show you three things from Scripture and from Nehemiah about our mind as God begins to give us the mind of God. A burden is having the heart of God. A vision is knowing the mind of God for that particular situation. Some of you are challenged about family situations. You're challenged about issues going on in your life. You're burdened about a lost loved one. Maybe you're burdened for the lost around the world. What can I do to be a part of that? Maybe you're seeing the vision and the burden of our church to fulfill the Great Commission, and God is burdening you. What can I be a part of? What can I do? If you will seek the mind of God, how do we have the mind of God? Well, there's three things we see in Nehemiah, and we see it in the Scriptures. Number one, you need to have a submitted mind. You need to have a mind that is submitted to God's will. Nehemiah has prayed. Nehemiah has prepared himself spiritually. He has confessed his sins. He has spent time seeking what God has for him. And it is a submitted mind. It is doing what George Mueller would say about seeking and understanding God's will. And that is, seek first of all to have no will of your own in the matter. Not my will, but thine be done. Jesus prayed that prayer. We are to surrender. Lord, in this situation, you see, the problem is is that sometimes what we want may seem like a good thing. But by settling for our good thing, we may miss out on God's gooder thing. I know that's not a word, but I think it expresses what I'm talking about. God's better thing, God's best Let's not settle for what's good. I remember people through the years, parents that were concerned about their adult children. And they would pray and they would say, boy, I just, I really would like to see them in church. You know what? It's a good thing to be in church. But you can be in church and you can be in a service and be in church and be far from heaven. The greatest need, the greatest burden ought to be not for their proximity to the church building. It ought to be for their souls. It ought to be for their walk with God. You see, I pray for both of my sons, and I I have prayed for years. I've never prayed, God, I want them to be doing this. I've never pushed them toward ministry. I've never said, you ought to be called to preach. My dad is a preacher, and I'm a preacher. And my dad never said, God's going to call you to preach. He let God do it. And I've said to my sons, look, I don't care what you do. We need Christians in every honest occupation in this world. We need Christians that are representing Christ in every field and every service. I don't care what task you do. I don't care what job you do. I just want to know that you walk with God. You see, we can want some good things. And I've seen families that, boy, their child would walk, their adult child would come to church, and they would sit there, and they would be so satisfied with that. But you'd see their life, and they were so far from God. Don't settle for what we want. We've got to be submitted. God, what do you want? And it's not just for students. It is for adults to say, Lord, your will be done. I will submit my mind to whatever you decide. Whatever your vision is, whatever your part for me to play, I will surrender to that. 
Nehemiah is willing to leave behind. He's willing to leave behind a good job. He's willing to leave behind security. He's willing to travel for thousands of miles, hundreds and thousands of miles. He's willing to put himself not living in a palace, but living in ruins. Why? If it will accomplish what God wants him to do. A submitted mind, but notice also he has a seeking mind. This is one that is prayerful. Nehemiah has been praying this entire time. He is seeking and asking, do you know what God wants you to do? Or if if you're burdened about a situation, well, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to have a part in it? How many of you believe the promise that Jesus gave? If you ask, you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be Do you believe those promises? Then if God has a vision for us, something for us to do, do we not believe that if we will seek, he will give that to us? Again, I could stand here this morning and I could say, boy, here's some great vision for your family. Here's some great vision for you as an individual. And I can show you some specific things from Scripture that are true for every believer and should be true for every family. But I believe that it is an important part of the process of what God is doing in our lives as individuals and as families and as a church for us to experience that work from the Spirit in us and for Him to work and for us to seek it. And don't think that because of some circumstance in your life that God's vision and God's plan will be limited. Your circumstances do not determine what God's task is. Don't let your situation affect your vision. Don't let your past, you say, Pastor, I've messed up, I've done wrong. Doesn't matter. God can take those who have erred, those who have strayed, those who have flaws, and He can accomplish His work through them. The Bible is filled with people that God gave a second chance to. Say, Pastor, I don't have a lot of gifts and abilities. The Bible is filled, history is filled, this church is filled with people that God is working through who don't have a lot of great gifts and abilities. Our circumstances do not affect our vision. Joseph was in prison, but God had said, you're going to lead your family, and he saw that, and he experienced that by faith. Moses was on the backside of the desert, and God chose him. His vision for Moses was for him to lead his people in deliverance. Joshua and Caleb, for 40 years, wandered in the wilderness, and it wasn't even their own fault. And they wandered in the wilderness with the rest of the people, but their vision was that God had said, you're going to go into the land of Canaan. David, living in caves, salt by Saul, hunted by Saul, but God had already said, you are the next anointed, you are the one who is anointed, you are to be king. And that vision that God had for him to lead his people was true no matter where David was. Esther in a foreign land. God's vision for Esther was to be the queen saving her people. And Nehemiah in a palace miles away from Jerusalem. It is God's vision for him. God's solution, God's care for this problem is for Nehemiah to be the one who rebuilds the walls. Isn't it interesting that God takes a really a bureaucrat from a government and puts him into a construction project? Don't let your circumstances, don't let your situation affect the vision that God has for you. What God has for you is not controlled by any circumstances. Boy, I'm glad for that. 
Because we look around and we see problems and we're burdened about this. Boy, I'd sure like to see this. We can see all the reasons why it can't happen. My God is bigger than any circumstances. My God is bigger than any situation. My God is bigger than any obstacles or any problems. And He is able to see. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think. So my mind needs to be a seeking mind. God, what will you do? What do you want me to do? And trust that He will. We need to have one last thing. We need to have a steadfast mind. This is a mind that is patient. Nehemiah waited for the right time, approximately four months before the king brought this up. In God's time, in God's way. What could be and should be, listen to this carefully, what could be and should be can't be until God's ready for it to be. What could be and should be can't be until God's ready for it to be. God's not on our timetable, folks. God's at work in the situation. Sometimes God has to prepare the vision within me. I believe God was doing that in Nehemiah's life. I believe God was producing in Nehemiah, hey, here's as he's praying, as he's seeking... God's creating this vision within him of this is how this wall can be rebuilt. Maybe Nehemiah at first was like, hey, I can help finance. I've got a good position here, and I've got some wealth. I've accumulated some wealth here at the palace and working for the king, and maybe I can finance the expedition. But God begins to work that vision in him. God will change that vision. He produces, he prepares the vision within me. Sometimes he prepares me for the vision. The task, the vision's already there, but he has to do something in me. He has to change my heart. Maybe there's sins that need to be confessed. Maybe there's changes that in my thinking that need to take place. There's adjustments in my focus that God needs to work on me. And then sometimes the timing is because God's just preparing the way for the vision. You see, I believe that God was not only at work in Nehemiah's heart through these months, as he's burdened and as he's praying and as he's seeking God, are we seeking God for what he has for us? Are we daily praying? Are we regularly praying for that God? I'm asking. Nehemiah was, but as God's at work in Nehemiah, God's also at work in the king's heart. God's preparing the way. Aren't you glad that God does that? Aren't you glad when you're not certain how something's going to turn out and you see God do something? And you're like, wow, here I was all worried about God prepared a way. I've shared the story several years ago, not long after we moved here. There was a man that I'd shared the gospel with for many times, hardened, would not listen. I heard that he had just probably a matter of days before he passed, and I told Lynn, I said, I've got to go see him in person. I jumped in the car, and for four hours driving up to that hospital, I prayed all the way, God, Help me know how to answer. And I could form, I would work through my mind. This is, this is the counter he's going to give. And here's a verse of scripture that I'm, Lord, you've got to tell me what to say if he says this. And you've got to help me prepare. And I got there and I walked in. He said, you've come a long way. First thing out of his mouth. You've come a long way. I said, yeah, I drove four hours to ask you one question. Are you ready to trust Christ as your Savior? He said, yes, I am. I was not ready for that. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I say now? I was ready for all kinds of negative answers and responses. 
You know what was happening? It's God was working in my heart on the way up there. God was preparing His heart. God was preparing a way. And I love that God does that in our situations. We think He's only at work in us, and we don't see what He's doing. But God's at work behind the scenes, and He is preparing the way for the vision. And God's vision of it was far better than mine. I thought it was going to look like this, and I got there, and it looked like that. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. That's the way my God works. God, give us a steadfast mind, one that is patient. Have you prayed for a vision? Have you prayed that what you're burdened about? Lord, I'm, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about my Jerusalem. I'm concerned about my wall that needs to be built. I'm concerned about my family, my church. I'm concerned about the lost. I'm concerned about my personal spiritual life. Have you prayed about it? And have you trusted by faith? that God will answer. And that God will not only answer in giving you the vision, God will answer in working out the problem. There are chains that bind us. There are sins that we face. There are problems that we encounter. There are people that we're concerned about. We want to see them know Christ, and we want to see them walking with Christ. They're not as close to Christ as they ought to be. And I can see in my mind, I can see not only their salvation, but I can see them walking with God, and I can see them serving God, and I, I can see them being for God, what God wants them to be, and being fulfilled because they are seeing God's vision and fulfilling spiritual success. God's work done God's way and God's timing by God's power and for God's glory. Do we have the faith? Will you believe God this morning that He is able to break those chains? He is able to save that soul. He is able to make a difference in that situation. Do you see it by faith? Do you see that it can happen? That's That's the next step. God, give us a burden. But God, also give us a vision. Not just something needs to happen, but this is what should happen. Father, I pray this morning for brothers and sisters in this congregation that are burdened about various things, that this morning you will give them from a faith-filled heart, it will rise to engage a faith-filled mind that with wisdom, with sanctified wisdom and sanctified imagination, they can see a future different than the present one that you have touched and one that you have worked in. May they commit that to you today. May they obey your spirit as you speak to them. May we bring these to you and in faith 